Satan has, has moved us away from the genius of Jesus. He's moved us away to lesser things. So if, if we can just get the people of God living a compartmentalized life on Sunday where Jesus doesn't touch the rest, then we're good. I mean, I think we just have to stop and recognize that we do have a legit enemy who is, is walking around wanting to devour. Um, and he's pulled us away from the things of Jesus and the way that Jesus would have us interact. So we'll settle, we will settle for lesser things. Um, so Sunday morning has to be this catch-all event where we're going to praise God and we're going to have teaching and maybe we even have a meal together. We're going to cram everything in our lives into one day and we've done our Jesus duty this week, you know, and all right, I'll see you next week, you know, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, so probably why it's so uncommon is that we've been duped, you know, we've been pushed away and we've settled for lesser things and there's nothing wrong with sitting down and being a part of a small group. But if that small group isn't a place where people can be transparent and open and honest and actually share the real challenges of life, then we'll actually, we, we can miss some of the brilliance of life on life. John, welcome back onto the show. We are going to be continuing our series today on uh, secret traits of highly effective disciple makers. And so you and I have already been kicking around the topic that we're going to discuss today. But before we get started, I think we wanted to give a, a shout out. Yeah, so um, we uh, really have a praise actually for our entire community, but um, pretty Pretty exciting for the very first time ever. The most, the country that logged on to Into the Harvest on YouTube the most was actually the country of Philippines. So we wanted to give a shout out to all of you uh, watching and listening out in the Philippines. Yeah, drop a comment, uh, a like, and uh, let us know how we can connect with you. We can't tell you how excited we are about the impact that, and our prayers that this would help you, you know, be a disciple in everyday places of life. We're, we're pretty excited about that. So we just wanted to give a shout out. Um, I guess to the whole country. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's one church. I don't know who it is, but uh, there's lots of folks out in the Philippines logging on. So we're, we're pretty excited about that the opportunity to partner despite the miles in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. So if you are tuning in from the Philippines, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you're in a different part of the, the world, but listening to this show or watching this on YouTube, drop a comment and just let us know where you're from. Um, that's always been the vision of, of this ministry into the harvest is to, to live it out in our local areas, but then to leverage technology to encourage God's people to do likewise wherever they are, whatever corner of the harvest that, that God has, has placed you in. And we do hear from folks uh, from all over, um, whether I think we've heard from, from folks on every continent except Antarctica. So it's a matter of time. Yeah, obviously it's this is a small <laughs> it's a small channel. We're not we're not worried about being huge, but it is always encouraging to to connect with brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. So, we're glad you guys are tuning in and we do hope that this show is is an encouragement to you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean just before we even start just the idea of disciple making and and Jesus's vision for the world, you know, I believe we don't have a Jesus vision if we don't have a world vision. Hmm. You know, so because Jesus is our model for all of life and ministry, we have a world vision. So just to see some of those things happening as a part of the show is really an answer of prayer for our personal ministries locally, but also for what End of the Harvest is hoping to be a resource for people all over the world to make disciples and proclaim Jesus and glorify his name. So, yeah. I mean, that that's just it just shows you it's an answer to prayer. That's that's why we're so excited that we want to have a Jesus vision. We believe a Jesus vision is a world vision. Yes, absolutely. And we're all trying to invest and be faithful where God has placed us. But it is important to realize that uh, when Jesus described what the harvest field is, it's the entire world. That was his, the parables that he told. The harvest is the world when he, when he shared the parable of the wheat and the weeds in Matthew 13. So all of us are in the same harvest. We're just in different parts of it. And we want to be faithful where God has placed us. But it's always encouraging and it's always good to have that bigger picture of of what God is doing all around the world. So to that point, John, we're we're wanting to focus our eyes on Jesus. And we were talking before we hit record this morning about the importance of looking to Jesus. So we're 
Again, this series is Secret Traits of Highly Effective Disciple Makers. We want to study people who have been faithful and effective at passing on the faith and raising up the next generation of God's people to become more and more like Christ. And mm -hmm. the most effective disciple maker, I think we could argue, is Jesus himself. And we recently had a conversation with Cecil Bean, who has been actively and faithfully making disciples for almost 60 years now. Why don't you uh, share a little bit about that conversation and tell folks where, where they can find it? Yeah, it's just, just a few podcasts back. We really would just encourage you to check that out. But um, I think the gift that the Lord has given Cecil is he just has this intense focus on the person of Jesus and the clarity that we receive from Christ in the Gospels on, on how to actually live life. You know, so Jesus just isn't merely in our, our icon that we might kind of have his cross on our neck or someone that we pray to, but instead he's actually our model for all of life and all of ministry. And what's crazy is we, we just tend to lose sight of, oh, well, what did Jesus do? Not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do and how did he do it? So hmm. he has 10 things that he believes Jesus brings absolute clarity to when he walked the earth. Um, but stop this recording now, <laughs> go back and listen to Cecil because he'll do a great job just kind of spelling out those 10 things and a little bit of his journey along the way too. But I can't tell you how much Cecil has impacted both of us and so many for the kingdom because of that focus on Jesus. And so, Andrew, you got a, a way fancier way of saying it, you know, the secret traits of a highly, whatever. Jesus is the secret <laughs> sauce of disciple making. Yes. And Cecil it did a great job kind of capturing that uh, last last time we were together. So, in fact, one of those things that, that he brought up is one of the things we're going to zoom in today. A That's secret right. that, that he teaches us is life on life. That's right. Jesus gives us the blueprint. And really, this series is just us trying to zoom in on different ways or different methods or traits that Jesus modeled for us as he was making disciples. And we see those in the Gospels. We see them moving into the New Testament. One of those is what we're going to talk about today, which is that Jesus made disciples by spending life on life time with those that he was training. So hang on to that phrase life on life because that's really what we're going to zoom in on today so john we we wanted to start off just by trying to clarify what do we mean by this phrase life on life yeah so you know i, th I think trying to capture that thought you know really what we have always is, is the tools of the scriptures right mm -hmm. is um you know, one of the most recent phrases that I heard um, that, that I really like, shout out to John Michael Porras if he's listening to us, was just this phrase of all of Jesus for all of life. So the idea of life on life is, is that so much of us know what it looks like to follow Jesus on Sunday morning. Um, and maybe we even know what it looks like to follow Jesus at a Wednesday night Bible study um, or, or maybe like a, a home Bible study or our home church or whatever it may be. But hmm. the reality is, is that we don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus at work, or, or we might not know what it looks like to, to live out the, the truths of, of Jesus when, uh, we're, we encounter some sort of uh, trial or tribulation, or we have a, a problem with conscience or whatever it may be. So all of Jesus for all of life. And, and the way that that we're able to learn those things is someone actually proactively gave their life away to us. Um, and it was, it was probably most likely beyond a Sunday, you know, it was going to be way beyond a, a Tuesday night Bible study where we might have an hour together just to kind of share what's going on in our lives. Um, it was definitely given away life on life. Um, so there's all kinds of examples through the gospels. You know, the, the first one that comes to mind really is Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, the, the whole plan for Jesus was to actually just invite people to watch him live life. And he was going to help them look, look and see what it looked like to actually walk with the father and be obedient to him. He didn't say, sit down and listen to me. Hmm. Um, he, he said, come follow me. I'll make your fishers of men. Mm -hmm. So that's the one that comes most quickly to mind for me. And kind of the problem that, that kind of comes out of, well, I know there's more to the Christian life. And that's a part of my testimony. I think that's a part of your testimony, too, um, was man, I, I have been going to church. I do somewhat kind of read the Bible and engage with God, but there's, there's something else that I'm just missing. I don't quite get. Right. 
Yeah, some maybe one way to get at this, John, especially as we look at the life of Jesus, is to reflect on what he didn't have or what he didn't do. And so Jesus did not have a specific dedicated physical space where on a weekly basis the disciples would would come together and listen to him teach and instruct. Mm-hmm. Jesus was very mobile. Uh, he would often teach in the synagogues, but they were often different synagogues in different towns. And he would travel by foot from town to town. And with him, as he was on the journey, were his closest followers. And so the the teaching that those disciples were getting, it wasn't limited to this, this event that was happening in a dedicated space like the synagogue. They got that, but they got so much more than that. So Jesus didn't have a dedicated space that he that he regularly gathered with his disciples. Uh, Jesus didn't have materials to speak of. Um, his, his teachings were passed on orally, um, and they were very easy to remember. One way to think about the Gospels, how do we have the stories that we have? Most scholars believe that Mark's Gospel is probably the first one that was written that we have today. And even so, Mark's gospel was probably written 30 years after the events happened and the teachings were given. So how did it go from when Jesus first gave the parable to when Mark wrote it down? And it's because they were highly um, sticky. It was it was easy for people to remember the teachings of Jesus and then pass them on verbally. And so Jesus didn't have materials. He didn't have a physical space. Really, it was it was his life that he was passing on, not just his teachings. Yeah, Andrew, that's that's so good. And 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 John and Paul and Peter and all those guys, they picked up on those things. In fact, they've written it very clearly for us. So these examples that you're sharing is, you know, Paul says something very similar in First Thessalonians, chapter two, verse eight. He says, we didn't just share with you the gospel, but our very lives as well, because you become so dear to us, so important to us. Um, so Paul recognizes, even in the short time that he was kind of poofed away to be with Jesus, you know, that, man, I, I can't just teach things. Uh, I, I need to give away my life because that's how I learned from Jesus. Mm-hmm. John says the same thing. Actually, I'll read this one for us. First John chapter one. Um, we, we've used this verse to talk about what we want our ministry homes to look like, our single men's homes to look like, and kind of a vision for that. It says that that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, with his son, Jesus Christ. What did they see? They saw Jesus's life. As we live life with Jesus, we're inviting other people to come in and live life with Jesus with us. Hmm. Um, so I, it, it's it's really interesting because I, I think there's so much of there's so much that can't just be captured on a Sunday or can't just be captured in a Bible study setting. There's so much more of life to live, and Jesus wants to be in every nook and cranny of your life hmm. and bring life and life abundantly to every nook and cranny of your life. Um, so the idea of life on life is how do we unlock probably 90% of our life to the rule and reign of Jesus? Right. Um, the only way to do that is, is to share life together. Right. And we're going to, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into ways to do that. I just wanted to read one more verse from the apostle Paul. I know we, we shared from Jesus. He did this the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2, the verses that you were reading earlier. And then, of course, you just read from the Apostle John. All of them, when they approached passing on the faith to the next generation, the way they did that was by sharing all of life, uh, not just coming together in a dedicated space at a set time and, and spending a short amount of time together, but but really getting involved in one another's lives and sharing that in depth. And that's why uh, Paul could write this to Timothy at, at the end of his life. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he tells him, You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, 
and sufferings. So there's wow. a list of like eight or nine things there that, that Paul says that Timothy followed, that, that, that were passed on from Paul to Timothy. And the first one is his teaching. So teaching is part of what we pass on for sure. But then there were eight other things that, um, that Paul yeah. mentions, his conduct, his aim in life. I love that phrase that one of the things that, that Timothy picked up from Paul was just his whole purpose, his goal in life. So the only way to pass that on is to, to see the life of those that we're learning from in a wide variety of settings and contexts. And so that's really what, what life and life on life is all about. There's a phrase that many, many folks may have heard, but it's, it's this phrase that more is caught than taught. And that's some, that's, that's one way of understanding what we mean by life on life is that it goes beyond just, um, speaking words and teaching people. Yeah. We're communicating the life of discipleship in, in more ways than just this information that's being passed on by teaching. So let's, uh, let's shift gears just a little bit, John, and, and talk about why this isn't more common in modern times. We see it in the scriptures, obviously Jesus, this is how he made disciples, the apostles, it's how they made disciples. So what are, what are some of the reasons we don't see it happening more frequently? Why do we miss it in modern times? And then what are some of the ways that we try to train instead of life on life. We can talk about those. Yeah, man, this, this is, this is tough. I, 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 I'm not uber, you know, super spiritual warfare guy. Um, but Satan has blinded us. Satan has, has moved us away from the genius of Jesus. He's moved us away very proactively to, to lesser things, right? So, if, if we can just get the people of God living a compartmentalized life on Sunday where Jesus doesn't touch the rest, then we're good. You know, the word will never be proclaimed. Our churches become defensive in nature instead of offensive in their advance, not offensive, but offensive in their advance against the gates of Hades to populate heaven and depopulate hell, right? Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I think we just have to stop and recognize that we do have a legit enemy who is who's walking around wanting to devour. Um, and he's pulled us away from the things of Jesus and the way that Jesus would have us interact. So we'll settle, we will settle for lesser things. Um, so Sunday morning has to be this catch-all event where right. we're going to praise God and we're going to have teaching and maybe we even have a meal together. We're going to cram everything in our lives into one day and we've done our Jesus duty this week, you know, and... All right, I'll see you next week, you know, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, so probably why it's so uncommon is that we've been duped. You know, we've been pushed away and we've settled for lesser things. And there's nothing wrong with sitting down and being a part of a small group. But if that small group isn't a place where people can be transparent and open and honest and actually share the real challenges of life, um, then we'll actually we, we can miss some of the brilliance of life on life. Or maybe we even we're going to go beyond that. We were going to church on Sunday, and we're also engaged in a small group. And then I have a man-to-man -man, a mentor who's going to help me. Um, but that can also end up kind of being a business meeting. You know, did you read your Bible this week? Rather than, hmm. hey, I noticed what we were at the ball game the other day. You kind of got sideways <laughs> with the ref there. <laughs> and everybody knows you're a Christian. You yeah. know, um, how do you think that played? You know, <laughs> or or whatever. You know, or or we'll. You know, so so we we are willing to move into alternatives to Jesus. I hmm. mean, um, there's always something new, some kind of new way of approaching ministry, and very rarely do we realize that it's it's just it's the same old method, but with new people, with a new generation. Hmm. Well, we would much rather have a new method mm -hmm. with new people um, rather than an old method with new people. So we're just willing to accept alternatives, I think. And Satan is glad. He's glad to give us all of these kind of crazy plans, you know, of new ways or to settle for lesser things. Yeah, so true, man. Um, I think um, something that was popping into my head as you were sharing that is that the way of Jesus is, is really counterintuitive. The way of the kingdom is oftentimes upside down from our own human logic. And Jesus himself often pointed to that characteristic that um, 
that he was going about things in ways that that would not make sense to those who were just looking at it with human eyes. And I, I think the, his method of making disciples is one of those things. And so we see That's Jesus nice. teaching the crowds and that makes sense to us because it seems very efficient, you know, and maybe especially as Americans, for those of us who are here in the West, the idea of productivity and efficiency, those are high values for us. You know, we want to accomplish the the most with the least amount of effort and i think that's bled into our approach to making disciples is we're, we're trying to get mm. the most bang for our buck not realizing that um the way to do that is by following jesus which is focusing on fewer people for a longer period of time in a much more in-depth way sharing life but what comes out of that oftentimes are lifelong followers of Jesus and not Amen. only disciples, but disciple makers. Whereas we can create a lot of excitement and a lot of activity and a lot of initial movement by, by drawing a crowd and by, by putting together a big program, but never really, um, getting depth with with those that we're meeting with so i i think that's another yeah. reason why we don't follow this this life on life approach that we see jesus practicing yeah that's so true you know one of the phrases that i'd written down just ways that i was trying to process how could we help people kind of clarify this idea of life on life is that jesus didn't give us a program to implement he was the person to imitate you know, so think, and we've probably all done this. We've all spent time where we've been in the gospels and we're like, okay, how did Jesus make a disciple? And then you're like, well, first he taught this and then he did this and then he did that. And the longer you study that thing, you're like, wow, I, I, it's hard to make heads or tails of how he did it and what order and why he did it the way he did. And you're kind of left to kind of just sit back and look at the whole and say, wow, his plan was follow Jesus or follow the father, do what the father says. When the father says it, mm -hmm. let the disciples watch him. Mm -hmm. it, it was, you know, come follow me, watch me, watch me live my life. Um, and so it's not a program to implement, which is actually easier, right? Right. Instead of being a model, being a person that someone can imitate. Um, obviously, we do that as, as flawed people that are supposed to help people move beyond us to Jesus. But Jesus didn't give us a program. Instead, he was a person. Um, if we can think that differently, that's one of the ways I think why it's so uncommon. Everything is a program, right? Every, we've got a, we're going to start a discipleship program or a disciple making program and go right. through these 10 steps and pop out a disciple. Um, that, that, that wasn't clearly, clearly it wasn't Jesus's plan it, or if it was his plan, he was a really bad disciple maker. And I don't think that's true. So, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's the alternatives you had. He, he, there was either genius in his plan and it worked or he was just really bad at it. And uh, we, we know the first one is true, right? Right. Again, we're, we're, I don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to talk a little bit about how disciple making is both an art and a science. But yeah. I think this is part of it is that we've we've pushed way too far towards the idea of, of disciple making being a science and that we can just create this program. If you think about why programs are so attractive again for those of us in the west you know henry ford very famous because he created the assembly line and he began to crank out uh, automobiles in the early 1900s and because he could mass produce those automobiles they yep. they were more affordable they were cheaper and so we've got this idea that we can mass produce disciples but um the one of the one of the downsides of automation is that people who are in that type of factory are are low skilled. They don't require um, they don't require a lot of 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 skill. <laughs> they don't they're not required to be craftsmen or artisans because they're mm -hmm. just pulling a lever. You know, they're just pushing a button. Um, and and Jesus is interested in our development as well. He wants us as disciple makers to be following in his footsteps just as much as he wants those that we're discipling to follow in his footsteps. And, and that means that um, we can't just crank out mass produce disciples. 
um, because right. he actually wants us to develop. And part of how we develop is by sharing the faith with others and helping them learn and grow. Just like when God allows us to become uh, physical parents, for those of us that have, that have had that blessing, um, <laughs> you're probably going to grow every bit as much as the child yeah. that you're raising. And it's one of the gifts of disciple making is that um, you're growing while you're helping other people grow. Yeah. So good, Andrew. And, I, and one of the things we wanted to talk about was just kind of our own own experience on this. And that that was really, you know, I, I watched my dad every day um, when I got up for school and he was sitting in his chair and he had coffee. I think I've shared this before, even on this show, sitting with coffee, peanut butter toast, reading the Bible. And I know he is praying for me and for my mom and our family and our friends uh, to know Jesus. And, you know, there was this very clear model Um and for whatever reason, I didn't catch it. You know, mm. there was very active teaching, you know, and he was also modeling it. But for whatever reason, that in that season of my life, it, it didn't actually catch. Mm. Um, but one of the very first things that happened when I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, when I met you, when I was still in the army. And um, I think you I think you still probably proclaim that you're a Kentuckian. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you've been in California for a long time, but um, was you and three other guys drove me to go get my truck. You probably remember this. We were crammed in that old Honda, gold, that old gold <laughs> Honda that you had. We called the Gold Nugget, and it was me, uh, Jim, and Daniel, uh, and you. And and I'd never seen people um, so locked in on Jesus before in my life. Right. Um, but that's something I never would have caught on a Sunday. So we're like traveling in a car, and it's not small talk. Um, mm -hmm. It's not not just, Hey, who won the football game last night or whatever, but it's, Hey, would you check me on my latest verse? Um, Hey John, you know, how did, how did, tell me about your spiritual life? How did you grow up? Did you know Jesus? Did you go to church? Um, you know, what do you think about, what do you think it would look like to, to take your relationship with Jesus seriously? Hmm. And those are all opportunities that opened up because they're willing to just to come and do life on a five hour, six hour road trip, uh, to St. Louis to pick up my car from the port there. Um, right. Once again, it probably would have taken years for that to happen right? if we just saw each other Sundays. Um, but just one six-hour trip meant all the difference <laughs> in all the world. You know, so it's it. So that's another reason why this is so uncommon, right, is that who has the time to do that? Or even if they do have the time, who would value it enough to right. say this is so important? So you have this secular versus sacred kind yes. of... Um, you know, it's just this quandary that's created in our life. Like I do my God things on God days and at God places, this very sacred thing that I do. And then the rest of my life is really just kind of the secular thing that I just kind of do whatever I want with. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I think this is so uncommon that that sacred versus secular divide. Absolutely. Uh, that's exactly what was in my head as I was just remembering that particular trip. And we've had so many of those type of events where, Oh man, yeah, you sure. know, it, there, there's nothing, spiritual about it in terms of the the actual shared experience that we're having so we're we're driving on the interstate uh three three and a half hour drive to i think it was st louis um somewhere yeah, up there right. in illinois i said six hours maybe because i was uncomfortable a little bit all these guys asked me all these spiritual questions <laughs> well i guess it would have been six hours round trip right <laughs> oh yeah um, touche good point <laughs> maybe that's what you're remembering it's been a few years right that was probably yeah, for sure. 99 1999 yeah so yeah. you can be forgiven for not remembering the exact amount of time but thank you <laughs> part of what's happening there is that and, and we did we talked about a lot of we probably did talk about football and other things so but what was happening is you get this intermixing of you know the spiritual with the common every day and i think that's actually what discipleship is all about is following jesus in the everyday um ins and outs of life and doing that together so when right. when you do have those in-depth spiritual conversations in that completely non-spiritual setting, um, it, it communicates that this is for all of life. Like you said, all of Jesus for mm -hmm. all of life. And that's something that we need to experience. And it's something that, that those that we're investing in need to experience that, hey, we don't leave this faith. We don't, we don't just res reserve it for these special times and places, but this is something mm -hmm. that we get to do together no matter where we're at. And, and we're gonna have fun and talk about uh, a lot of other things as well. So it's not like we're only talking about the Bible 
all the time, but being able to move in and out of those conversations in the everyday of life is, is I, I think it's actually a huge part of what we're trying to pass on in terms of, of DNA. Yeah. I mean, I think it also points to, you know, why this isn't uncommon is that we like the nooks and crannies. We, we like to kind of have these reserved places yes. that God doesn't touch. If we're honest, right. If we're really, truly honest, what we would say is like, no, I can play the game for a couple hours on a Sunday or at a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Oh, but now I got to go represent Jesus at work too, you know, like, mm. or, or, um, or for so many of us in our homes representing Jesus and, and actually having the knowledge to say, man, I, I should not have treated you like that and to apologize to your wife or to your kids because you didn't represent Jesus. You know, that that's all of Jesus for all of life and not just some of Jesus for some of the days of your life. So that's another reason why this is so uncommon is that we, if we're honest, we actually really like those kind of safe areas away from God. What areas of your life does, does Jesus never touch? And we, we kind of like those if we're honest. Maybe we love those if we're even <laughs> brutally honest, you know. Yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons why I think we don't see more life-on-life life. disciple-making is that it's it's very costly, it's very intrusive into our lives that that we want to be able to, to hold back. For both of us, our homes have been a, a huge way for us to share life with others, whether that's having folks over for meals or to hang out or having people live with us. Um, for extended periods of time so that we can share life in in all the different circumstances. Um, but there's there's a saying that uh, a man's house is his castle. And the idea there is that you could always retreat back to your house and and that's your space. That's where you can go to to just rest. And and of course, when you have an open house, an open door policy, that becomes harder to do. Like Jesus himself, we see several times in the gospels where um, he he had to leave, physically leave the area yeah. sometimes just to get some some space because his life was so open. He was sharing it with so many, so many po- folks that, um, so, so there is a place for retreating and getting that space. But I, I don't know that we have permission just to always wall off a certain part of our life so that no one is allowed access to that. Yeah, great clarity, Andrea. It's so good. Yeah, I, I think we also have to recognize that what most people, the way most of us are raised or the model that we're familiar with is a, is a preaching and proclamation model. And then you're left to basically just go do what, <laughs> what that message was, you know, and if we're honest, sometimes we don't even remember what was preached or proclaimed in the message before we get out the door, you know? Right. Um, and then maybe you're at lunch and you're actually saying, Hey, what'd you get out of the message today? And you're, you're, but this is where you're actually bringing those things together. Yes. We're having a meal and we're talking about what was taught at the, the sermon. Right. You know, you're, you have Shelton on pretty commonly, you know, and some of those themes that you guys are preaching and talking through it at, at your church actually come out onto the podcast because it's a natural part of your life. So, mm-hmm. but our model is preach, proclaim, go do. The problem is that that, that model very quickly becomes preach, proclaim. And like, I don't know what to do. I, mm. I, I got some information, but man, how do I actually do that? And then you have, you know, some discouraged people who actually very conscious, conscientiously want to follow Jesus, but don't actually know how. So mm. it, we might have the what, we're supposed to do, we might have the why of what we're supposed to do, but life on life brings what, why, how, and the motivation and the depth for all of that actually to take place. Right. One of the verses that we we put in our notes as we were thinking through today's conversation was out of Romans 15, verse 14. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've got that uh, memorized or if not, I can look it up. I don't, I don't have it memorized, but I can find it pretty quickly here. Paul writing well, to I could butcher it, but but those word perfect people would would uh, they they'd get me. That's all right. I, um, let me let me read it for us. It says uh, Paul writing to the Romans. He says, "I myself am satisfied about you, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another." So Paul, mm. as he as he was thinking and praying for the believers in the city of Rome, he had this confidence and it was a threefold confidence. 
he was satisfied or convinced some English translations uh, read convinced that they were full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. So why don't you share a little bit more about how life on life helps us invest in all three of those qualities with, with those that we're ministering to. Yeah, that man, for me, this is our art science. This is where we get the most clarity on the art and science of disciple making. Um, because the idea of goodness, when you're talking about someone's goodness, what you're really referring to is their character, right? So that, that you're full of knowledge, that's an easy one. Um, in fact, I'm convinced that we have some very, very, very mm. full of knowledge people in the kingdom of God. Um, that that part doesn't necessarily concern me. That, that doesn't mean I'm not convinced we need to continue to teach and that there isn't more to know about Jesus, right? Like we just a couple podcasts, how do we steward the mysteries of God? That was a couple podcasts ago, like in hidden in Jesus, there are all the riches, all the fullness, you know, that there's so much more to know about God, but that generally isn't our, our problem, right? So, so when he's saying in Romans 15, 14, that you're full of knowledge, that we give knowledge away by teaching. And that that's just a part of that process, right? Um, but there's so much more beyond that. So the science of disciple making, I think, is that knowledge piece. And every disciple making, every disciple maker is going to have things that they want their disciple to know and to understand about Jesus. Um, but it moves beyond that to it's not just knowledge by teaching, right? It's it ends up being you know skill, skill by guided experience that peep that that Paul was right alongside people that Jesus was right alongside people, that John was right alongside people, that we're, that you were right alongside me as I was trying to walk with Jesus. And that the only way, this is when we begin to move into the art portion of it, right? Is that, well, how do I help John actually get skills that he's gonna need to walk with Jesus for a lifetime and then pass that on to the next generation? Hmm. Well, that's different for me than it would be for our own physical children or another disciple because I have a different design and I have different things resonate with me, right? So you're mm -hmm. moving beyond this science, which everybody needs the facts. Here's, these are the truths. We need to have clear orthodoxy, right? There's just no way around that. Um, but then when we need to move into becoming a disciple maker, there's skill by God at experience and in character by modeling. So watching you interact with Cindy early on when I was a 19 year old, what was I 21 at that point? 21 year old kid, wow, this is what it looks like for someone closer to my age to be a godly husband. Whoa, and then I got to watch you and Cindy parent Kai and Hannah. And you know, and, and as, as each kid came along, I got to watch you be faithful hmm. and in every season. So it was way beyond just me coming to a Bible study and watching you lead a small group. Um, and then to know that you were angry, <laughs> with something maybe one of your kids did or you're disappointed or you're frustrated, but to see you interact with them in a way that honored God, um, whoa, I'm watching character by modeling happen here. Or right. when we'd go out and share the gospel, we'd walk, you know, Arden Street, you know, mm -hmm. on the local military post and to watch you love on people who responded very poorly to you trying to share <laughs> the love of Jesus with them and share the gospel. Mm. I got to watch character by modeling, um, but, but I think most of all, what I, what I really kind of encapsula encapsulated all that and why life is life, life and life is so important and moves us into the art of disciple making is how my vision was changed because my identity was changing. Hmm. I no longer saw myself as John who could do whatever he wanted and worked God in. Instead, I was a servant of God who did what the Lord told me to do hmm. and leveraged his life for Jesus. So... So not just knowledge by teaching. I, I would say we get an A on that in the kingdom of God, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we do pretty poorly on our report card when it comes to skill by guided experience, right. character by modeling, and vision by identity change. And mm -hmm. for me, that's where we get to move this kind of art-science conversation. Science, <laughs> no problem. Knowledge. <laughs> art is the rest. You know, making disciples and disciple makers, then that's a totally different ballgame. And, and if art seems intimidating, it's really... It gets worked out, it gets fleshed out in the context of sharing life. So like you said, we're gonna, we're gonna pass on knowledge by teaching and we all need to teach. Uh, Jesus told us, you know, teaching them to obey. Um, 
Paul here to the Romans says, I'm confident that you're able to teach or instruct one another. Teach. So teaching is important, passing on information. Yep. Like you said, we pass on skill by guided experience. So we're doing something together. The way that my teenage boys learned how to change the oil is we did it together and they, they watched me do it. The next time I helped them do it. The next time they did it, but I was there and available if they needed. Um, and, and that's really what we're talking about. There are certain skills that we need to have as followers of Jesus. We're gonna pass those on, not by teaching, but by guided experience, doing it together, yep. but then gradually uh, giving more and more responsibility to the younger believer. And then the third thing yep. that you mentioned was character. The way we pass on character is by modeling it. They need to see us. We always say the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, yep. I have, um, we're going <laughs> to, one of the things that I, I want to loop back to, John, so maybe you can help me, because we want to give people some practical ways to do life on life. Right. One yep. of the ways that I've done that, especially with men, is just by working on vehicles. So I'm not a mechanic, uh, but I'm fairly mechanical and I've had a lot of, uh, old uh, cars that break down frequently. So I've had lots <laughs> yeah. of opportunities to learn. Yeah. We've had some disciple making <laughs> sessions over your vehicles. Yes. We've had many, many hours <laughs> together, many, many hours of life on life working on a car. Um, yep. and, and you might remember this, John, but there was one instance where it was, I think you were there, several other young guys were there. I can't remember everyone's face but it seemed like there were three or four guys that were in the garage working on this car. But my son was there too, my son Kai. And you know, the car was up um, on jack stands, so it was off the ground. And so I instructed him, make sure you stay away from the vehicle. Um, and he had, you know, in his excitement, he had gotten too close to it. And I was fearful <laughs> for him at that moment, but also frustrated that he had not listened and followed the instructions. And I was, I was too harsh with him. Um, and I ended up having to apologize to him. Um, and I, I want to say he was probably six. He was not very old, six or seven. He was, he was younger, but I lost my temper with my son in front of these younger men <laughs> that I'm discipling, that I'm, I'm right. trying to pass on the faith. Even that is, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay because that gives you an opportunity to show that you're not perfect. You know, followers of Jesus are not perfect. We make mistakes. Um, but it also gives an opportunity to show, okay, when you make a mistake, how do you, how do you handle that? Do you, do you act on the conviction of the Holy Spirit that immediately came, you know, after um, yep. I lost my temper with, with Kai? Um, and then do you apologize, you know, to him in front of other people? So, there's ways to do this that um, that just involve allowing people into our lives so that they can see us. And that requires vulnerability, but it's where the art comes in because these things are right. just gonna pop up or you're playing a board game with someone that you're discipling and they've been, you think very highly of this young person, they've got great character, and then you notice that they're cheating, for instance. Not saying this has ever happened. Yeah. But, no uh, one would ever do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, it's a board game. You can Wayne say- Wayne cheating, we ain't trying, right? <laughs> we ain't cheating, we ain't trying. <laughs> you can say it's not really that, well, it's not important, you know, it's, but this actually becomes like, that's the art. The art is like, oh, I think I've observed something that I probably mm -hmm. need to address with this person. And you're not even gonna see those things if if you're only in that that pristine setting of a Bible study or a church service. So that's that's another way of thinking about art versus science. Yeah, it's so good. And and when we do life together, so look, I'm guessing you've got hobbies right now, like you, you've been running. Yep. So one of the reasons why you do that, one is to stay fit, but also gives you access to people who don't know Jesus, and you can run with, with the folks that you're discipling. Right. right. So all of those things end up being integrated in disciple making. Or, um, you know, just like you said, we, I watched you raise your kids. I remember like epic throwdowns of you trying to help your kids learn something, you know, like that would go on for hours. I'm like, wow, man, this parenting thing, I, I better be ready. <laughs> you know? like, and, and just, and you're trying to teach a principle and you just stay in there and you stay in there and you stay in there. And then, you know, so uh, we used to even, we had a particular board game that we'd play together and we just realized after a while, 
we just we didn't even refer to the name of the board game anymore. We just say, hey, do you want to reveal some sin? But even just if if you're paying attention while you're playing basketball, if you're paying attention while you're playing a board game, if you're paying attention while you go fishing, if you're paying like it actually. And here's the thing. If you're discipling someone, they're watching you guarantee. Right. So they're actually picking up so much about who you are, how you operate, what your value system is. Um, so these very practical things are, um, making a concerted effort to invite people into all of your life, all of Jesus right. for all of life. Right. Um, and then, then you realize there's not a whole lot of things that are reserved back from discussion. Um, mm. because people have questions about how to honor God everywhere. Um, right. How, how do I do this? Or right. have this argument with my boss or I'm fighting with my wife or, right. Hey, I'm dating this gal. I'm dating this guy. What do you think? How, how should I proceed? Um, but that only happens as you've opened up your life and they see you more than on a Sunday or on a Tuesday night Bible study. Right. You know, you, you've probably seen each other four or five times a week for a, actually a, a significant period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so hmm. yeah. Hey, I'm going to work out. You're going to work out. Hey, you want to do that together? Right. Um, I'm going to do a quiet time. Well, you're going to do a quiet time. You want to do that together. It, right. it, it actually, it's actually not, it's not as difficult or as challenging as you think it will be. Right. Um, it actually ends up just being, okay, I'm going to make a concerted intentional effort to do this, invite people. So let's move this towards, we'll start wrapping up here. Um, one of the resources that I know that you had jotted into the notes was the master trainer, uh, by Chanda Pilla. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, his name, PT Chanda Pilla, or maybe it's Chanda Pia. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> He's Indian. We're so I, I don't know, name. like if he was, yeah. if he was from, from Central America, I know it would be Chanda Pia, but I don't know how they pronounce it in Indian, but he actually does something similar to Robert Coleman in his book, the master plan of evangelism, where he studies the life of Jesus and then he highlights, and especially Jesus's training of the 12, and then he highlights principles and methods that Jesus lived out as he was training the 12. But he starts by, by giving two qualities that Jesus possessed before he even began to disciple people. And, and they were incarnation and identification. And he's yeah. got a great little chapter on each of those qualities, but I wanna focus today just on incarnation and the idea behind incarnation. We know that Jesus, he came from heaven to earth. He came from this place of honor and glory. Uh, he took on the form of a servant and humbled himself. He became right. a man, took on the form of a man. But the principle there is that Jesus, this more mature, <laughs> um, this, 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 this uh, person who had life initiated, he, he took the initiative to come to us. He did not just invite us to come to him. And I think right. this is an important connection to life on life, that for those of us who are further along in life, more mature in our faith, older, uh, we've been in the church longer, we, we shouldn't just open our lives. We should actively go to people and invite them to join us and, and we can join them in what they're doing. Um, but the idea of initiating, um, not just waiting for people to initiate with us, some people will, and that's great. Um, Jesus had people who initiated with him who wanted to learn from him. But Jesus also, as we see, he would go out and he would call people to follow him and then he would invite people. So I think that's an important principle for us to, uh, to keep in mind as we as we share some of these different activities that you can do in order to mm-hmm. share your life with others is you're already doing these hobbies. You already have these interests. You already have these ways that you're spending your time. What would it look like to purposely invite others to join you and to open up that space, that part of your life so that you're doing it, but now you're doing it with a younger believer that you're trying to influence and invest in. Yeah. So good. And, you know, I've used this analogy quite a bit that if Jesus has called us to become a fisher of men, then the, the very nature of a fisherman is they can't help but fish. They, they just there's no way around it. You know, I just tell the story over and over again. We were fish. My dad and I, we fished 
and it wouldn't take but one or two times we drive by the same lake or pond or something on a highway and it wasn't <laughs> hey is there any fish in there you know like and one of us is like on like stand out on watch while the other person's trying to catch something you know in case the <laughs> cops come or something <laughs> so, you know, it didn't matter you know hopefully it didn't say no trespassing if it didn't then we were there like both of us were fishing you know like but what i hear what i hear you saying is the, the very nature of someone who's a disciple maker and the secret trait of a highly effective disciple maker is they always have their line in the water and if there's someone there that seems like they might be interested and they could be the next generation mm-hmm. and there's a chance for more and more people to follow after Jesus mm-hmm. through that person, then the disciple maker says, hey, hey, man, I'm leading a Bible study or, hey, I've got, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going for a run. I help coach a cross country team. Would you like to come with me? Mm-hmm. Um Matt, I'd love to just get to know you more and just kind of share life with you. And, and so we can more effectively walk with Jesus together, be used of God to, to change the world that we live in. You know, and so the more mature believer, the secret trait of a highly effective disciple maker is always the line in the water, wanting to share his life because he knows that's the way for maximum impact for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that the initiative lies with that person. Mm-hmm. And and when it goes the other way, you, you kind of like, whoa, I don't think I've ever had anybody you, you know, you say this to yourself, wow, has anybody ever actually really come out of the way and said, hey, I'd really like to just get involved in your life and follow you and just learn from you. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens, but very rarely. It's usually the the more mature disciple maker who notices something in, in a disciple and says, hey, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's get down to business together. So that's on disciple makers, the experienced disciple maker to say, hey, come, come join in life with me mm-hmm. and watch as we do life together. And let's walk with Jesus. And this is part of how we determine or how we discern, it's probably a better word. This is part of how we discern who are those people? Where are those relationships that God would want us to focus more time and energy on? Because as you begin to share your life with others, um, some people are going to be very eager to take you up on, on that opportunity. And others are either not going to be interested or perhaps not available, but for whatever reason, um, that's just a way that we can, it's a helpful way for us to understand who is it, Lord, that you want me to spend more time, who, who are the younger believers that I'm already connected to that you want me to spend more time investing in and influencing? Well, who are the ones who are available to, to share life with you? And it's mm-hmm. no, I don't think we have to make any kind of a judgment call against those that aren't available. It's just more of a guidance point that, okay, well, this doesn't seem to be someone that this doesn't seem to be a relationship where I'm in a position to influence them. Uh, So you just keep inviting people. But there are things that we're already doing. One thing that I think keeps us from jumping into making disciples is we just don't feel like we've got the capacity. Like we've, our lives are already busy. How are we going to find time just to focus on this one person? And I think what we're trying to say is that you're going to live those 24 hours. You're going to be doing certain things. Life on life is creating space within what you're doing for others to to come with you, to share that with them. So meals are probably the simplest example that we could start with. You're going to eat a meal, right? Well, could you eat a meal with someone else? And and now you've got that time. Um, You know, I, I manage properties and sometimes I've got to go to the property and I've, I've got to, do an assessment and do a cleanup. So a few weeks back, one of the guys that I'm discipling, he just came with me and we, we looked over the property. I was working on it, but we were having conversations and we were talking about spiritual things and non-spiritual things that that's really what we're talking about. John, do you have some other examples from either hobbies or ways that you, that you're currently trying to share life with others? Yeah, I think most of the time, if we just step back for a moment, we'll actually see there's people that we see in different aspects of our life. So actually, you're doing life on life with with people, and then sometimes you don't even realize it. Um, so so there's this moment where you think, well, is this whom I ought to be faithful to do life with? You know, is this am I actually leveraging these opportunities for the kingdom, or am I just kind of in these spaces without kind of just whimsically, mm-hmm. but instead I'm, I, I actually have a chance to be very intentional about the places and the people that I spend time with. And so <clears throat> it's a beautiful thing when you realize that your relationships and what God's asking you to be faithful to flow together in this very natural place. And you're actually doing life with people that God's actually asked you to be faithful to. So, and 
you know, if you just, if you don't invite, you never know. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just all there is to it. Let's invite people. And if I would say, if you're a young person and you recognize someone who is more mature than you, and you want to become like them in the way that they follow Jesus, then, Hey, is there a chance we could spend some more time together? Um, and, and to be proactive about that as a believer and, and really, you know, in some ways, you know, you had mentioned when you were moving to moving to a different army post for training with the navigators, why don't you think about coming down with us? We could learn and grow together. Um, we could, you know, help build a ministry together. What do you think about that? I just couldn't shake that idea. I thought, man, what a great opportunity. And one of the reasons that we'd share this before, even on this podcast is that I, I was so impressed with your ability to study the word of God. But there is no way I would ever become like you in terms of Bible study skills if I never just sat down and, and did Bible study with you. Mm. And then we did that for a number of years where, you yeah. know, on a Monday evening, we'd sit and do Bible study together. And, hey, mm. and I would ask, well, how in the world did you get that thought? Oh, well, this verse came to mind, which cross-referenced me to this place and made me look up this word. And I thought, wow. Mm. You know, so I never would have that opportunity if, one, you didn't invite, two, I didn't obey, and then we actually didn't do life once I got here. If I... I made my life so mm. busy, right? I couldn't be around you. Then that would move, make change the whole point, right? Of 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 kind of moving <laughs> to be around you. So that that's the very last thing I think we can practically say about this is that white space is your friend. Yes. When it comes to sharing life on life, hmm. and that if 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 your calendar is so full that there's no white space at all, life on life will be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um. And if your life is closed off, if you can't leverage your, all of your life for all of Christ, then you'll miss these great opportunities. Hmm. Um, I mean, I could even have gone to your workplace, Andrew, when, when we were first, when you were first discipling right. me, yep. because, you, you know, your boss knew you were a believer and he knew what you were doing. I could literally could have just shown up during lunch hour one day and spent time with you at your, at your job. Right. And to watch how you interacted with your people at work and, and vice versa. You know, you could have showed up at my work spot and mm-hmm. people would know who you are or, or shown up at the college campus when I was going to school. So having white space is your friend when you're trying to be a disciple maker. Yeah, I think your life. there are definitely some nuances to this. And I think that's a good that's a good counterpoint to the idea of, hey, we all have things going on. A part of life on life is just including others in what we're already doing. But I think your point is is well made that something we also need to consider is, are we too busy and are we busy engaged in things that it's not possible for others to join us in? Mm-hmm. And if so, that could be something that we we go to the Lord in prayer and we ask him to give us wisdom to know how to order our lives in such a way that we've got that. Yeah. We've got that white space available to to spend with people um, when when those opportunities come up. Well, John, I yeah, um, so good. I want to leave people with a few resources, and we've mentioned a few along the way. But what what are some resources that you would recommend people look into if they're wanting to learn more about life on life? Yeah, I I would say that you you just can't out outdo or overdo reading Jesus. You just can't, you know, and it. If, if you just spend some time reading the Gospels over and over and over again, you'll, you'll begin to see this picture of how he had a clear directive from the Father. He invited the people to watch him, his disciples to watch him, and his plan was his life. And the more and more you read the Gospels over and over again, you just see this singing through the Gospels with Jesus. Um, I've given you example that you should do as I've done unto you, right? So no longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends because... Slave doesn't know what this master's business, but I've, everything I've gotten from the Father I've given to you, you, you just see um, with greater clarity who Jesus is, why Jesus did what he did, what he actually did, and who he did it with. And it, it just brings such a great clarity. So that'd be my first challenge, that I, as many times as you can read through the Gospels a year, do it. Hmm. Um um, because I think it brings a great amount of clarity. Now, look, don't neglect the rest of the Bible. Like all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, training, training right. and righteousness. But don't get distracted by the flashy, shiny things in our culture that will move you away from Jesus. So that'd be the very first thing um, to how are you in the Gospels and how familiar are you with, with the Gospel stories? And then 
actually, how did Jesus make disciples? Hmm. And to read read the Gospels with that perspective, I think could be really helpful. Yeah, I was just sharing this with a couple of young guys yesterday that Jesus, the way I try to articulate this is that Jesus is the bullseye of the scripture. And so yeah. everything needs to draw our attention to him. And of course, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the source materials that we have for the life and teachings of Jesus. And and the rest mm-hmm. of the Bible is all pointing us and giving us the context for Jesus himself. So um, the whole target's important. It's all valid. Yep. Um, but we we need to keep in mind that Jesus is the bullseye. And as we as we read and study the rest of the Bible, it's what highlights that Jesus is at the center. So these other these other concentric circles are absolutely God inspired and they're profitable. Um, but Jesus is the bullseye. So in that sense, they're not e- yeah. equal. I got to be careful here. They're not equal in terms <laughs> of of where our attention should be drawn. So our attention mm. wants we want our attention to always focus our focus on Jesus because he's, he's the one that, uh, is the exact representation of God's character. So yes, I love that first resource is the gospels themselves and, and go deep in studying the life of Christ in the gospels. What else? Yeah. So, you know, one of the resources we're constantly talking about in this, and you may be tired of hearing it, but the master plan of evangelism is a great, is a great book. And we also have a study guide that goes alongside of that with into the harvest which is well worth your time. I know a number of ministries that we partner with actually do that every year. Yeah. Where we'll actually will study the master plan of evangelism. And really what you're studying is the gospels. And he just helps you do, do a good job of, of walking through that. The master trainer, you'd mentioned it, um, PT Chandapilla. I don't know if that's how you say his name. We're probably butchering it. He's in heaven right now, so he doesn't care. <laughs> He's with Jesus having a great time. Um, he passed away a number of years ago, but he he has a similar study, but with just a little bit of flavor. So it brings some depth to the concepts. But both of those books are just going to take you right back into the gospel. They're going to take cake you and keep you focused on Jesus. Hmm. The last thing that I think is important to share is that someone in your life, if you're interested in Jesus, there's probably someone in your life who's walking with Jesus and you think, man, I would love to be like that person. I would love to have a faith like that person. I'd love to be able to communicate Jesus or the gospel like that person. Um, God's put you in the locations he's put you for a purpose. So to seek those people out. Um, and if you can't think of someone, go to your pastor, go to your local church leader, whomever that may be in your home church or whatever it is, and ask, hey, I I was listening to a podcast recently that talked about sharing life together. I know there's parts of my life I've hidden back from Jesus and God isn't, I'm not getting all of Jesus for all of life. Is that something you can help me with? And that's mm-hmm. in both of our testimonies mm-hmm. where both yes. of us went out of our way and whether it was the pastor that immediately responded to us or a pastor that actually helped us get connected with someone who, who did exactly what we're talking about on this podcast, either way, God helped make that connection for us. So don't, don't just sit back and relax. Actually ask for practical people in your life to help you get connected with someone that can help you grow. I'll have links to, I'm not sure. I, I've tried several times to find the master trainer and I have not been able to find it recently in print. So if I can find it, I'll link it, but we'll definitely provide links to the master plan of evangelism and also that study guide that that John mentioned. John, you had some great pithy statements. So why don't we close out? <laughs> I, I love these. I'm like, yeah. we, we can't end without sharing these. So maybe we make can- them sticky. Yeah, maybe we can just read these back and forth. Uh, there's four or five of these. Um, yeah. But why don't you start us off? These are just some great one-liners for, for folks to hang on to. Yeah, so I'd just say the first one is Jesus just, he just didn't direct and he just didn't delegate. Uh, he discipled. Awesome. All right, I'm just, we're just going to read these. So uh, right. the second one is Jesus didn't merely teach his disciples to cherish the world but to change the world. Yeah, cherish the word. Sorry, Andrew, did I typo? <laughs> I may have misread it. No, you, you spelled no, that right. Yeah. So he didn't merely teach his disciples to cherish the word, but to change the world. Yeah, so when when we're proclaiming and preaching the word, our people learn to cherish it. We also want them to learn how to change the world, right? He didn't give us a program to implement, but a person to imitate. Man, you said that one earlier, and that one's, I mean, that'll preach. I like that a lot. 
Um, Jesus didn't just inform us by sharing information. He transformed us by sharing his life. Yeah, I love that one. Jesus teaches us to think big, start small, go deep. Man, on that note, man, we will uh, we'll wrap it up. All right. I always appreciate uh, hanging out, John. And of course, all of our conversations are great. But when we get to talk about Jesus and how he made disciples, I mean, that's just, uh, it doesn't get any better. I agree with that. It was great being with you, Andrew. Love you guys. Shout out to the Philippines again. And <laughs> all of you all across the world, keep walking with Jesus, sharing your life. Let's change the world. Amen. Thank you.